Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Always good to catch up with Martin Niles, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. And today, as I say around the world, Martin Niles is in Washington, D.C. in the U.S. Martin Niles, welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Good morning, good evening. It depends whose perspective you take at the moment, but it's evening for me. It's good to be with you. Martin, uh, what are you doing in the USA? Uh, What's so important about your visit to Washington, D.C. this week? Well, there's a lot of people in the USA who have been running a lot of effective political campaigns for uh, some time, and they've gotten so good at it that I thought I'd come over and have a talk to some of them and find out uh, what the secrets are and get some tips of the trade. And it's been very, very insightful so far. I mean, the one that people will be really aware of, for example, is the pro-life movement over here, which has made tremendous progress uh, in the last decade or so. Um, and recently that's culminated in Donald Trump defunding Planned Parenthood, which is the largest provider of abortions in the U.S., 300000 a year, um, and he's pulled federal funds, which is a pretty significant step to take, and I think a, a movement in a direction that isn't seen in any other country in the world. Um, what is it that led to that? Well, the hard work of some real heroes uh, for truth and justice over here, and um, you know, uh, the activation of the Christian constituency to get involved in the political process in a way that we aren't seeing in other parts of the world. Uh, so it really works, and I'm here to talk to them and find out what makes the world go round for them and how it all happens. And um, look, I'm learning great things. Broadly speaking, Martin, there are some contrasts between the US and Australia. Of course, we are different. We like being different. Uh, But there are some significant contrasts and uh, these issues, these ethical issues, uh, they are confronting all Western nations. What's your reflection on what's happening in the US uh, compared to what's happening in Australia? What's your contrast between these two nations? Well, I think obviously we we know that there are significant cultural contrasts. Uh, I don't think that we could ever have, uh, say, a, a president like Donald Trump in Australia. It just wouldn't work out that way. Uh, because of the cultural differences. I mean, maybe I'll say that too soon. But but look, I think the main thing is I've talked to some people uh, over here and said, look, what is the situation? And they said, look, uh, one guy said to me, Obama's legacy to America is Donald Trump. Um, and I thought that was very interesting because he said there was a lot of people who traditionally are not politically active or political activists of any kind. Uh, and they saw what was going on. They felt it, particularly in the Christian constituency, and they became alarmed. And they got so active in the political process, uh, but also others from middle America who felt forgotten. And the result was Donald Trump. And so it's interesting. I think that there are a phase in a, in a political cycle where there are, there are far more active people who would be socially conservative in the political process. I don't know that Australia's got to that point yet. Um, I don't think that the socially conservative constituency is an activated constituency. They're not activists. The activists are all on the socially progressive side of the spectrum in Australia. I'd like to see the balance righted there, because I think if it was righted in Australia, uh, we'd make some tremendous progress. I think you use an important word here, and this is the word alarmed. You said that uh, those socially 
uh, aware activists in America got to a point where they were alarmed at the direction that the nation was going under Obama. But in Australia, we don't have that sort of alarmism. Is this, do you think, because we are this sort of laid-back culture? Uh, you know, she'll be right, mate. Uh, is this something that actually marks uh, the conservative elements in Australia, that's, that there isn't the same alarm uh, that you're seeing in the US? Yes, there is no doubt whatsoever that that's absolutely true, that there's a, there's a, there is an easygoing way about Australians which translates quite badly politically because when people do have agendas which are dangerous and which are bad in politics, Australians tend not to believe it's as bad as it is uh, and then they tend not to worry too much about taking action because it'll probably sort itself out. That's quite different in my observation, my fairly untrained observation, but nonetheless my observation of the American constituency. They seem to get uh, the political importance of things a little more clearly. Um, now, you know, I think that that will change in Australia because I think agendas are becoming clearer. I think that the political divides are being drawn uh, in a much more uh, articulated way. And I think that people are starting to look at politics and go, well, hang on a minute. The stuff that's going on here is really going to affect my life. And I'm alarmed at the values that are being smuggled into politics. I'm alarmed at the values that are being smuggled into my kids' schools. I'm alarmed at what's going on. And that, I think, could yield a very similar sort of kickback to what we've seen in the US. So, you know, maybe not at the same scale because we're still easygoing by nature, but I'd like to see some of it. Um, I'd like to see a, a largest ground swell of activism, if I could use that word, um, against uh, some of these socially progressive agendas. So you have the Democrats on the left in the US, the Republicans on the right. In Australia, we have the Labor Party on the left and the Greens. And on the right, you have the Coalition Party. Uh, there's a certain sense in which there's alignment left and right that we can actually say is similar to the sorts of things America, Australia. Uh, you're in Washington, D.C. Uh, are you? Do you glean that the fact that, uh, that there are some similarities here by way of the ideologies that each side is presenting? Well, it's interesting. I think that actually the polarisation in American politics is much stronger than in Australia. The difference between left and right, Republican, Democrat, is, is a mighty gulf now. Uh, and, you know, I've been looking, listening to a lot of people speak at different events and things, and the, the common factor is that over the last 15 or so years, the, polar, the, the attitudes of Democrats to Republicans and Republican voters to Democrat voters has become more and more toxic and more and more hostile. Uh, and it's got to the point now where something like 70% of Republicans wouldn't want their daughter to marry a Democrat and all this kind of thing. Those were some of the stats that people were putting up. The polarization uh, is, is absolutely profound. And that is a reflection of the fact that there's a social rift that's opened up in Western societies. And in America, uh, the sides of that social divide, social conservative, social progressive, you know, sort of cultural Marxist kind of post-modernist views versus Judeo-Christian views, you know, th that gulf has become so clearly articulated between the two sides. Um, whereas in Australia, the articulation isn't that clear. Um, yes, you do have Labour Greens on the left, and they've made it very clear in the last six months where they stand with this stuff. Uh, you know, when it comes to the abortion, the religious freedom, the, you know, all that stuff, the social issues. But... On the right side, in the Liberal Party, you've got a divided house. Uh, you actually have social progressives mixed into the Liberal Party, and so the division just isn't as clear. There's a lot more confusion. Uh, and I don't actually think the hostility between the sides of politics is at the same degree in Australia, which in one way is a good thing, 
But in the Norway shows that there isn't a clear difference on the social issues as there is here. That would be probably the biggest single difference I notice when I come here and look at the political system. Is this, you think, one reason why on the right side of politics, the coalition, even at the present time, looks a little wishy-washy and that might even be reflected in the way that the polls look right now? Because uh, if an election was held today on the two-party preferreds, uh, the latest news poll says 54% uh, to Labor, 46% to the coalition, a uh, clear-cut win for the Labor Party. Uh, do you think this is partly because of what's happening on the right side of politics, all of this, uh, you know, I'm not sure whether we're actually progressive or conservative. What are your thoughts there? I think you've absolutely nailed it. I think that the Liberal Party is confused about its identity. I don't think they know uh, what, or they don't feel like they can come out clearly and say what they believe because of their internal divisions. You, you find, you know, Josh Frydenberg, for example, was asked just the other day, uh, on national television, you know, what does the Liberal Party stand for? Uh, and his response was, well, we're a broad church. Translation to the average voter, you don't know, I don't know, and I'm confused. Now, you can't, you can't be a leader, you can't take a leadership role without being clear on your vision. Say what you like about Donald Trump. Everyone knows what he stands for. That's why he's hated and that's why he's loved. Say what you like about the Democrats. Uh, everyone knows what they stand for. That's why they're hated and that's why they're loved. Uh, in Australia, I don't think anybody really knows what the Liberals stand for. You, you've got the recent resignations of the Christopher Pines, the, uh, the Julia Banks, the, uh, the Julie Bishops. The, they've got a very different value system to, say, Tony Abbott and Kevin Andrews and Erica Betts. And then you've got this soft centre that's kind of Scott Morrison um, and, 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 and his grouping. Uh, between them, they have such radically different views of the world. And I'm absolutely sure that this 50th news poll in a row that the coalition have lost is partly due to their identity crisis. And they're going to have to go through, I suspect, a pretty thumping electoral defeat in order to soul search and find out who they really are. Well, that's an interesting impression, uh, describing Scott Morrison as a soft centre, because, uh, you know, he is by image, someone who's able to put up a fight. But as you say, if he's in a party that's divided and confused, uh, putting up a fight for what? And uh, and this is one of those interesting and, and perhaps very important issues. Look, we'll fe leave federal uh, politics alone for just a few moments because the New South Wales election actually comes up uh, before that and just a couple of weeks ago away, really, on the 23rd of March. Uh, any thoughts about uh, things that are happening in New South Wales? I mean, are they suffering the same sorts of confusion as as the uh, the federal politicians are. What are your thoughts for New South Wales and the election? Well, it's interesting. Um, uh, my thoughts on the New South Wales election are actually very similar to what we've just discussed, which is that again, the difference between the two major parties on some of those moral, social policy issues, which really are questions of you know to use a biblical term, righteousness in society in the nation. Uh, the difference between the two on those issues is, is murky again. Uh, if you look to abortion laws, you actually see that it was part of it was the Nationals MP that put up the exclusion zone stuff and the radicalisation of abortion laws to get it out of the criminal code and all the rest of it. Uh, the government wasn't strong enough to say no. They went to a conscience vote. You look at euthanasia. What is it? Well, it's a conscience vote. You look at scripture in schools. They support it at the moment, but it's not a strong ideological support for scripture in schools. You look at all of those issues and you see that actually 
the, the Berejiklian government isn't clarified on them. They're divided within their ranks. You actually have nationals members uh, who are sort of of the social conservative bent usually putting up a lot of this radical legislation, particularly Trevor Khan in the upper house. Um, and so you have, you know, a problem, an identity crisis there as well. And I think that the Berejiklian government have a great narrative. Uh, Michael Daly, the opposition leader, is putting forward a narrative. But when it comes to these issues that, um, you know, your listeners may be concerned about and certainly concern me uh, and you, uh, I think the important thing for people to consider is if you can't trust either of those major parties in New South Wales to really toe the line, have a very careful think about your upper house vote. Because at the moment, you've got Fred Nile and Paul Green, the Christian Democrats, holding the balance of power up there. And that's been a fantastic check and balance on the government because they put their eye over things. And, they, and, they, and very often when, when progressive, socially progressive and dangerous things come through, they're able to put a stop to it. And I would say, look, think about that upper house vote. ACL had a New South Wales upper house forum in Sydney just the other night. Um, and that was attended by some of those minor parties which occupy that balance of power, Australian Conservatives, uh, Christian Democratic Party, Paul Green, um, the Shooters and Fishers, and Mark Latham from One Nation. And I would say think about those guys, because I think that to have, and, and they actually articulated some really, I was amazed, actually, the quality of those candidates and the clarity of their views on these issues was very strong. I would have to say have a think about putting some of those guys into the upper house because the importance of them checking a morally confused government is, is quite high. Well, certainly there's going to be attention on 2020 in the lead-up to the New South Wales election, and uh, there will be a, a focus that is about uh, those Christian Democratic Party members who do hold the balance of power in the New South Wales Upper House. That'll be very important. Interesting perspective that you bring, Martin Niles, uh, with the idea that the Liberal Party idea of being a broad church may actually be sometime past its use-by date, and, uh, and when Liberal leaders say we're a broad church accommodating a lot of ideas somehow or other that might be contributing to the confusion but let me ask you uh, with the New South Wales election coming up on the 23rd of March uh, what effect do you think the outcome of the New South Wales election might have federally yeah that's a good question you know it's an interesting thing if you look at the history of uh, australian politics and you look at the difference between state governments and federal governments people like to vote for a different government federally to what they do in the state and you'll find very often if the majority of states are labor you usually end up with a coalition federal government if the majority of states are, are liberal you end up with a labor federal government and that's actually been a pretty tried and true rule for quite some time. And so I think that if the Berejiklian government is returned in New South Wales, in a weird kind of a way, that could have a bad effect federally because people are still upset with the Liberals. They're still upset with what they've done federally with uh, the leadership changes and all the rest of it. Um, I wonder whether actually it could have a negative result federally, whether or not people, the way people's psyche works, that they vote differently federally and state, which is a, yeah, it's been the case for a long time in Australia, at least their New South Wales vote will be difficult. But of course, that means that Queensland, uh, Victoria, Western Australia, they've actually got some opportunities there. It's a very rough and ready rule, but it is a true one. 
Well, we've run out of time, Martin Isles. Always love your insights. Uh, love the fact that you are today talking to us from Washington, D.C., and uh, you're there looking at some of the ways that campaign movements have been successful in the U.S. and looking to apply those principles to uh, the way we are in Australia. Uh, loved your thoughts on the idea that somehow or other we're a little bit too easy going right now, but there is some room into the future to become much more activist. And for those who are listening in New South Wales, uh, the first activism I imagine that you can apply, of course, is uh, in using your Christian conscience to inform your voting pattern coming up to the New South Wales election. There are a lot of good resources on the Australian Christian Lobby website. Always like to point people to it, acl.org.au, and I know that there'll have been some very uh, clever people at the Australian Christian Lobby who've been doing comparison between what the parties and the candidates believe in the lead-up to the New South Wales election. There'll be research that you'll be able to easily access as you're wondering what's happening in your own electorate. acl.org.au. Martin Isles in Washington, D.C. today. Thank you so much for your insights on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Always my pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.